here we are again yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> i was going to give you an update on my journey to become psychic oh yeah i told you i found a book yeah i remember that well i forgot about it but now i remember yeah. you telling me <laughs> <laughs> a book on becoming psychic who knew but i think we have a lot to cover tonight so i'll save that for next week teaser Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows, just like all of the times that I've tried to learn a new language, by next week I might get bored and... <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you'll be a psychic already. Hey, yeah. Be optimistic. There's, there's, there's always hope. Yes. Glass is half full. Yes. All right. So, what do you have tonight? Forgot already? I was trying to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> So tonight I have, you know, you've heard the expression, uh, drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. So I have the story of the cult massacre that inspired that oh, phrase. Oh, no, really? Okay. That's um, Jonestown or something? Like yes. That? Okay. And I want to say before I forget that it wasn't actually Kool-Aid, it was Flavor-Aid. Okay, so giving Kool-Aid a bad name. Yeah, or Kool-Aid used that as advertisement, which uh, would, be, would be very bad. I don't think. That I would thought make about a very it as I was saying it. That was completely wrong. <laughs> Not a good advertisement. Maybe Everybody. it was maybe it was Flavor Aid with competition. I don't remember ever seeing the Kool-Aid guy saying, "Hey, drink the Kool-Aid." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Kool-Aid guy is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if he said that, <laughs> it'd be kind of scary. <laughs> all right. All right, but in all seriousness, on November 18th, 1978, members of a California-based People's Temple cult in Jonestown Agricultural Commune, Guyana, committed one of the largest mass murder-suicides in American history. This was ordered by their very paranoid leader, Jim Jones with the death toll exceeding 900, with about 300 of them being age 17 or under. Wow. I didn't realize there was that many people. Yeah. Wow. Sad. Very, very sad. Jones had opened his first church in the mid-1950s in Indianapolis. He was not yet affiliated with a particular movement or cult, nor did he have any type of theological training. His congregation was known for being racially integrated for the time. In the 1960s, Jones' congregation was called People's Temple, affiliated with the Disciples of Christ, and four years later, Jones was ordained in the church. Mid-1960s, Jones and his wife settled outside of the town of Ukiah in California and incorporated People's Temple with about 100 followers. They believed the move was going to protect them in the event of a nuclear holocaust. Did they have any idea of how it was going to protect them? It did not say, hmm. and I imagine probably not. Yeah. 
1970, services were being held in San Francisco, and by 1972, he opened a temple in Los Angeles. He made friends with politicians, was friendly with the press in California, and was viewed as a respected churchman. A huge appeal for his followers were his acts of mind-reading and faith-healing. Oh, really? I didn't know he did that. I didn't either. Well, pretended to do that. Yeah, which is interesting, because that seems to be like, I mean, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but that seems to be a big thing with cult leaders, with their healing and mind reading. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering what draws people to these people like this. Yeah. Did that make sense? It, it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as a, I don't want to say last resort, because I don't know what is going on in their lives, but... If you really believe in that stuff. Well, and then they're just smooth talkers, right? Well, yeah. Going back to last week's episode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The People's Temple was active in humanitarian causes in the communities, but the members themselves were often humiliated, beaten, and blackmailed. Many were coerced into signing over their possessions to the church that also included their homes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. African-American members and other members of minority groups were convinced if they ever left, they'd be taken by government-run concentration camps. Again, amazing that they can believe this stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's sad. Yeah. When the press began asking questions in 1977, he moved with several hundred of his followers to Jonestown, a compound he had been building in Guyana. In November of 1978, U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan had visited to investigate rumors of members being held against their will and being subjected to physical and psychological abuse. He arrived on November 17th, and when Ryan was going to return to home the following day, several temple members wanted to leave and got into the truck to go back to the U.S. Other members attacked Ryan before the truck left the compound, but he was able to escape unharmed. Temple members launched an attack on the runway where Ryan and his company were to depart. Ryan and three members of the press were shot and killed, while 11 others were wounded. After the shooting, Jones ordered Temple members outside the compound to commit suicide. Jones then used his, quote, revolutionary suicide plan, end quote, at the compound which had been practiced by members in the past. Fruit drinks were laced with cyanide, tranquilizers, and sedatives. At first, they used a syringe to get into the babies' and children's mouths, and then the adults drank it. Jones, on the other hand, had died from a gunshot wound to the head. There is speculation on whether he killed himself or if his nurse, Annie Moore, shot him before killing herself. Less than 100 temple members survived in the massacre. Majority of them either escaped that day or were in Georgetown. Officials later discovered a collection of firearms, hundreds of passports stacked together, and $500,000 in U.S. currency. Millions more had been reportedly deposited in banks overseas. The People's Temple separated after the incident and declared bankruptcy at the end of 1978. Wait, there was still an organization after? Yeah, not long after. Yeah, but bizarre. 
Yeah. Only one Temple member, Larry Layton, was tried in the U.S. for his involvement in the events of November 18th. He was found guilty of conspiracy and aiding and embedding in the murder of Ryan and the attempted murder of U.S. Embassy official Richard Dwyer. He was sentenced to life in prison, but was released in 2002. Another man by the name of Charles pled guilty to the attempted murder of a young girl and served a five-year prison term in Guyana. Yeah, I didn't realize anybody had been convicted or even went to trial for this. I thought pretty much everybody either died or escaped. Yeah, I didn't either until I read this. I guess it's good in a way, but clearly it wasn't for that long. Well, it sounds like most of the people responsible were already dead. Well, that's true. But yeah, those are the only things I heard about those that survived. I wonder what happened to all the people who did escape. Yeah. You know, if they gave up everything they had to the church, I wonder if they got any of that back. I would hope so. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they did that when they were still in the U.S. So I would hope that the U.S. would be able to help them get that stuff back. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I did not read anything on that. Maybe it's out there, but I didn't see anything. Hmm. That is it. I do want to remember, I don't have names, although that'd be a long list of names to go through. Yeah. Of the innocent victims, especially the 300 children. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Sad, long list. Yeah. It just, it always amazes me how people can be brainwashed like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Obviously, something there with the psychology of the human mind that I don't understand. Yeah. I think a lot of it, just the vulnerability of what situation and mindset you're in at the time and them seeing that you're vulnerable and taking that as an opportunity to manipulate you. Yeah. No, no, it's just very sad, especially with children who have no idea what's going on and they were just dragged into that. Yeah, they didn't have a choice. Yeah. That was it? Yes, I was going to say, I didn't know if we had anything else to comment, but that was it. No, yeah, like I said, it just, it just baffles me because I just don't understand how Yeah. You know, people can be brainwashed, but I know they can. Yeah. I could also be brainwashed. You never know when yeah. once it happens, and hopefully it doesn't. Yes. You won't brainwash me, right? No, I haven't figured that skill out yet. Okay. Gaslight me (laughs) as I get older. I would never do that to (laughs) someone because I can't even imagine what it feels like. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So, that it? Yep. All right. Your story. Do you have a story tonight? I do. I think we have time for that. Okay. Tonight, I thought we would start a new show segment called... How the hell could this place not be haunted? (laughs) (laughs) I think the first place on the list is probably going back to our discussion of the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. Yeah. Which we talked about a couple episodes back, I think. The next place I want to add to that list is Dead Man's Island in Vancouver, British Columbia. Who... 
Who names these places? I read a discussion about they really didn't know where the name came from. But as you listen to the story, I think there was plenty of opportunities <laughs> for somebody to come up with Dead Man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. First, a real quick geography overview and description of the area just to give you a visualization. Okay. British Columbia. That's Canada, if you were unaware. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is a province of Canada along the Pacific coastline, just above Washington State. Yeah. If you're familiar where that is located. I do know where Washington <laughs> is. I don't know where many states are located, but I do know where Washington is. Because you watch Grey's Anatomy. No, that's actually <laughs> <laughs> Or were you unaware that that took place in Washington State? I knew it was. <laughs> Speaking of Grey's Anatomy, Washington State, Seattle, I think Vancouver is about three hours north of Seattle. Oh, wow. Yeah, so not very far. This is actually our second time in Canada. Previously, we had talked about Halifax. Yeah. Nova Scotia. Yeah. That was when we talked about the Five Fishermen restaurant. Yeah. Remember yeah, that? I remember that. Again, just visualizing. So Vancouver isn't actually right on the Pacific. There's a whole mess of islands, capes, peninsulas, harbors, rivers, Inlets, bays, straits. That's bays with a B. <laughs> bays and straits. <laughs> I did not plan that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. But details unimportant, just kind of, again, a little visualization. Vancouver wraps around one of the bays. And from the southern side, there is a small peninsula. And at the tip of that is Stanley Park. So Stanley Park is kind of their green oasis, like Central Park or Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, which we've talked about before. Yeah. A little bigger than Central Park, I believe, about one and a half square miles. Pretty big area. Wow. Really nice looking park. It actually looks like a very cool place to visit, even though we could not visit Dead Man's Island while we were there because it is currently used as a naval base and is closed to the public. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. So Dead Man's Island is just off of Stanley Park. It's a pretty small island connected to the park by a short causeway and bridge. It's kind of like the appendix of Stanley Park. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a little kidney bean hanging off the side. Is it really? Yeah. Or maybe a little skin tag. I don't know. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'll go over the history and you'll see why I would put it on the list of how could this place not be haunted. Yeah. And then I'll talk about some of the stories. Coast Salish are the indigenous people of the area. And back in the 1700s, the island was the site of a massacre. Oh. The southern and northern coast Salish often raided each other's settlements in land disputes. The southern coast captured 200 women, children, and elders, and the northern coast offered 200 young warriors in exchange for the hostages. Oh. The 200 young warriors were then slaughtered. Oh. Yeah. 
The story goes that the day after the slaughter, the southern nation returned to the site where the warriors were slain and found hundreds of flaming fire flowers where the bodies had fallen. That freaked them out, and they fled the island. Hmm. The island later became a Coast Salish burial site. Interestingly, the Coast Salish would put their dead in cedar coffins and suspend them from the branches of the evergreen trees. It's really interesting, the different cultures of how they take care of their dead. Yeah. Not sure how that works out as those coffins deteriorate. Yeah. In 1870, the coffins were taken down and buried in what is now Stanley Park, or at least a portion of it. Between 1870 and 1887, the island was a burial site for white settlers. A few of the 21 people who died during Vancouver's Great Fire of 1886 were buried there. I never heard of the Great Fire of 1886 until this story, but apparently... Yeah, Yeah, I've never... (laughs) Never heard of it either. Yeah. Some of the workers that were killed during the construction of the Canadian Pacific Railway were buried there. And during the 1888 smallpox outbreak, the city used the island as a quarantine area. I think it was before that smallpox outbreak that Vancouver actually did establish another cemetery. Yeah. But I think because the people were quarantined on that island that some of them ended up being buried there, but burials started not to be done there anymore after that. Yeah. Between 1911 and 1939, various plans to build a museum, war memorial, amusement park, or a dance hall on the island were all considered, but nothing came out of any of those plans. Who? I'm not sure why not. What's that? Who in the heck would build an amusement park (laughs) well as we found out i mean it seems like an ancient burial ground is a great place to build an amusement park right well (laughs) not to me it is yeah yeah well luckily that didn't happen yeah in 1942 during world war ii the government gave the island to the canadian navy and it still serves as a base for the royal canadian navy reserve And it is also the headquarters for several other reserve and cadet units. Oh, wow. The island is normally deserted at night, except for maybe a commissionaire at the security gate. Yeah. So that's just a guy who guards the gate. Sounds like a boring job. Yeah. But on occasion, personnel are required or given permission to stay on the island overnight. So it's a military base that people leave. Yeah. Well, I think it's more of a like a headquarters for office personnel and stuff like that. Yeah. So they're not normally there in the evenings. Okay. That's still weird. Why would you have it on an island? Yeah, I'm not sure what the reasoning was for in that particular location. Because it is, like I said, it's kind of inland through all these waterways. Yeah. If anyone does stay overnight, they usually stay in what is known as Building 1 which was built in 1943 and is a large red brick Georgian Revival colonial-style building. And Building 1 is where most of the activity occurs. Of course. On one occasion, leading seaman Anne Marie Hamilton had been given special permission to stay overnight. 
On her first night, she was startled awake hearing the voices and footsteps of what sounded like two men going up an outside staircase heading up to the third floor. Hmm. She then said she heard what sounded like furniture being moved around above her in what was once the base's radar room. That's weird. Yeah. And she said that went on for about at least 30 minutes. That'd be annoying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, she spoke to the commissioner who told her that nobody passed through the gate during the night. So apparently there was nobody else there. Wait, she was there all by herself? Yes. Hmm. The next night, she was startled awake again by the sound of furniture being moved again. She thought maybe the commissioner was doing rounds, but that didn't make sense with the noise that was going on. Yeah. She decided to go investigate and made it out to the hallway outside her room when she said she got a funny feeling, felt uneasy, so she changed her mind and went back into her room. Hmm. Trust your gut. Yes. In 1991, leading seaman C. Gran was stationed on the island at night as a security guard during the Gulf War. He got up in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom. Or, if I can quote Chris Miller in his article in the Vancouver Courier, where I found a lot of good information. Yeah. Quote, a bathroom break in the wee hours, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, my gosh. While in the bathroom, he heard the double doors connecting the main building with the drill hall open and close. Gran radioed the commissioner to check if he was in the building, but he was not. Gran then went out to investigate, after washing his hands, I hope. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But he could not find anyone, and he found all of the exterior doors locked. Hmm. Well, at least that's the only thing that happened while he was in the bathroom. Yes. (laughs) I was a little scared there. (laughs) That's a worse time for something like that to happen. Yeah. (laughs) In 1992, leading seaman Jay Eldridge was in an office on the ground floor late, finishing up paperwork, when he heard footsteps move quickly down a nearby staircase. He had thought he was the only one in the building, so he went to investigate. The lights were out in the stairwell, and he couldn't find anyone around. He phoned the commissioner who confirmed nobody else was on the island. I wonder if it got to the point where the commissioner like answered the phone and said, no one else came in. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking maybe the commissioner is screwing with people. Oh, (laughs) that'd be kind of funny. (laughs) But yeah, he seems to be the one that's always called. When Eldridge got off the phone, he heard what sounded like furniture being moved around upstairs. He went to the staircase and the sounds stopped. He turned on the lights and headed up the stairs. Unlike most horror movies, when they go upstairs without turning on the lights. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He investigated the second, third floors, turned on the lights, looking around, but nobody was around and nothing looked like it had been disturbed. Hmm. At that point, he decided to finish up his paperwork and quickly get the hell out of there. I don't blame him. Yes. (laughs) In 1994, the reservists were using the base for a search and rescue operation. While lying on a cot early one morning, 
Petty Officer Rob Lowe, not the Rob Lowe, (laughs) (laughs) heard voices and people stomping around downstairs in the mess hall below him. Only a few people were in the building with him at the time, but none downstairs that he was aware. He assumed reservists from another building had come in, and he went down to ask them to quiet down, but the hall was empty. Hmm. When he went back upstairs, the noise started up again. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the moving things around you were talking about. Yeah. That they probably do that to annoy people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait until they go back upstairs. (laughs) He went back down. Nobody was there. He checked the ground floor, couldn't find anybody around. Maybe they were helping him get his steps in for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) So mostly it is sounds that people have heard, but one woman saw someone entering a washroom, but upon checking, nobody was there. Hmm. Another woman felt a hand on her back while working alone upstairs. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I also ran across vague accounts of a strange glow being seen through the trees that will form into a human shape, but not a lot of stories about those, so I'm not sure if it's an urban legend type of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, this is a small, unsecured island. You know, they do have a gate, but it is an island, and it's not like it's fenced off and everything. Yeah. So, it's not like people can't easily get on the island. My understanding is boaters who are unaware that the island is off limits have been known to go onto the island. Yeah. But they are not known to do any breaking and entering. Seems kind of impolite in Canada. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But even that wouldn't really explain many of the events. You know, if somebody were to sneak on the island and was messing around or whatever. Yeah. Especially the ones that occurred inside the locked buildings. Yeah. So, but that was it. Oh my gosh. I mean, you could question the stories, but considering what happened on the island, the history, again, I don't see how it could not be haunted. Well, if breaking and entering is too mean for them, wouldn't lying be mean to them too? Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I don't think Canadians lie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, out of all things... As a ghost, why would you be rearranging furniture? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How bored do you have to be (laughs) as a ghost? I mean, I get it. There are times where I, too, at the middle of the the night, want to move my (laughs) furniture around. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'd want to do that as a ghost. Yeah, you got to really wonder what is going on up there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Okay. Did they ever say that? There was actually, like, furniture up there to be moved? No, only that nothing was disturbed, but they didn't really say what was in the room. Oh, okay. You know, to, like, yeah, is there a bunch of furniture that could have been moved around? Yeah. And then just quickly put it back before they <laughs> got up there? I don't know, yeah. Oh, my God. Anything else? I don't think so. All right, wrap it up. Happy to be back to our normal routine? Yes. Pretty much getting there. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Good night. Good night.